sharing our faith and passion for the Lord Jesus Christ with others is a desire of Zion Christian Fellowship. Our prayer is that this message will have a lasting impact on your life and draw you closer to the Lord Jesus Christ. This message is not copyrighted. You are free to make copies for friends and neighbors. We only ask that you copy it in its entirety without alterations or changes. Now unto the King Eternal, Immortal, Invisible, the only wise God, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. Well, a good morning and greetings to everyone in Jesus' name. It's a good day to be in the house of God, to uh, worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. I would like for you to turn with me to Psalm 63. Verse 1, Psalm 63 says, O God, thou art my God, early will I seek thee. My soul thirsteth for thee, my flesh longeth for thee in a dry and thirsty land where no water is. And then he says further, to see thy power and thy glory so as I have seen thee in the sanctuary. So David here likens his desire for God, his need for God, as a man who is in a dry and thirsty land where there is no water. So his soul longs after God. And that, uh, that longing is to see thy power, the power of God, and his glory, so as I have seen thee in the sanctuary. Now David knew what it was to see God in the sanctuary, in that place all prepared for worship, and it seems he's contrasting here the time when he is far away from that sanctuary. He is in the wilderness, in a dry and thirsty land where no water is. Now this may seem a little out of context where we are today and in the time of year where if you look around there is an abundance of water, as evidenced by it being green and lush everywhere. There's just, uh, we're in a land where it's flourishing because there is an abundance of water. And in such a case, we tend to kind of take for granted or we don't think so much about that intense need for our own bodies to have water. You know, it's just, it's there. It's, we can go to the spigot and get water. We can 
And if we're out and about, we can just stop at the nearest convenience store and buy some water or what have you. It's, it's very abundant. It's easily attainable. And so we tend to just sort of not think about it as you would in a land where there is no water. Now, we had occasion this year several times to be in a land where there is little water. Our first occasion was when we visited the Grand Canyon. Now, that is in a land that we would think of as wilderness. And yes, there is a river at the bottom of the canyon, but in the canyon itself, water is fairly scarce. There are certain places, and with tourists coming through, they've made places where you can access water. But one of the things they will stress, if you want to hike in the Grand Canyon, be sure to take plenty of water. And in fact, uh, statistically, that is one of the highest dangers of those traveling through or hiking in the canyon is running out of water. More people have died of dehydration and thirst than any other cause. You might think, well, with such a dangerous place with treacherous cliffs and rocks, it would be people falling over the edge and that kind of thing. Well, there are some that have died that way. But more common, and possibly because it's less considered, is actually dying of thirst in a land where there is little water. And according to the reports, in some cases where people have died even from a fall or such like is because they were thirsty and they were thinking to take a shortcut to the closest point for water and perhaps lack of judgment or whatever they they died in their effort to get to water in a perhaps over hasty manner now does our soul thirst after god with such intensity we must have god we must have life we must have sustenance in our short hike down into the canyon as we were on the main trail there we met hikers coming up and there was a man who had spent I believe there was four or five days along with another group of men in the canyon and as they were coming up the trail he was he had obviously been hiking for a good while and and when he stopped there where a number of us were uh, other hikers as well and he stopped to rest and then one point he asked could could I get a little water from one of you? Do any of you have a little extra water I could, I could have? And he had nearly expended his supply of water. He was only probably hour, hour and a half from the top, but he was already uh, nearing exhaustion, and he was down to his last partial cup of water, so... 
one of our party gave him some water. Just the importance of water in a dry and thirsty land. Well, our second occasion in a dry and thirsty land was in Israel when we visited Angidi. Now, from Jerusalem, if you travel downhill to the east, you will come to the Jordan River Valley, and just below that is the Dead Sea. And that is wilderness. As you get down there along the Dead Sea, there's a range of hills on the western side of that, and we were traveling along those hills, and it is really a dry and thirsty land. It's just barren rocks and, and dry hillsides. It's very dusty, and, and when the day is hot and the sun is beating down, you start thinking about water pretty quickly, and you hope for a good supply. But in this very dry, dusty land, there is one place of water, and that is at Angidi. Now, Angidi is in a bit of a ravine between the hills. The water flows out of this ravine into the more level area right next to the Dead Sea. But out of this range of hills, there's a ravine that goes back up into the hills. And at the top of this ravine is a spring of water, and the waterfall comes down over the rocks. It's a very pretty sight. And right at the base of that waterfall, you will find a nice, cool pool of water. And next to the pool, the rocks have moss growing on them and ferns, and you would think you are in some very lush place. Whereas just next to it, up the hillside and beyond, is nothing but just barren rocks and dry and dusty. But down through this ravine, uh, from level to level, there's... uh, This water flows down the stream and there are spots where you can wade in the stream and then it cascades down over some more rocks into a lower pool. So today, there are many tourists that come through there and there's pathways and you can travel up through this ravine from place to place and find a refreshing uh, water source and Right next to it, there's places that grow uh, some vegetation. But in the midst of that, as you look up on the hillside, there are places where it's just very dry and dusty. And if you were to go over the hill or mountain into another area, that's all you would see is just barren wilderness of rocks and dust. Well, this was the area where David fled to this area when he was pursued by Saul. So Saul and David's hometown would have been up by Jerusalem and Bethlehem, and he would have been accustomed to that area where there's uh, more access to water. 
But when he was in trouble, he fled to Engedi and to the caves there. If you recall the account of his hiding in the caves and Saul pursued him and went into that region where it would have been difficult to survive very long without a good source of water. I'd like for you to maybe keep your finger there at Psalm 63 if you're there, but I would like to go to Psalm 142. Psalm 142, it says, this is a maskil of David, a prayer when he was in the cave. So this was his thoughts as he was in this wilderness area. And remember, he was in much affliction and trouble because Saul was pursuing him for his life. So he says here, I cried unto the Lord with my voice, with my voice unto the Lord did I make my supplication. I poured out my complaint before him, I showed him, I showed before him my trouble. When my spirit was overwhelmed within me, then thou knewest my path. In the way wherein I walked have they privately laid a snare for me. I looked on my right hand and beheld, but there was no man that would know me. Refuge failed me. No man cared for my soul. I cried unto thee, O Lord. I said, Thou art my refuge and my portion in the land of the living. Attend unto my cry, for I am brought very low. Deliver me from my persecutors, for they are stronger than I. Bring my soul out of prison. That I will, that I may praise Thy name. The righteous shall compass me about, for Thou hast shalt deal bountifully with me. So his heart was very low in this place in the wilderness. And where did he turn? He turned to the Lord. He turned to the Lord with that same urgency as a man who is in a dry and thirsty land because he saw that that was his only hope, was finding refuge in the Lord. Now if we turn back to Psalm 63... And we'll read more of that here. O God, thou art my God, early will I seek thee. My soul thirsteth for thee, my flesh longeth for thee in a dry and thirsty land where no water is. To see thy power and thy glory, so as I have seen thee in the sanctuary. Because thy loving kindness is better than life, my lips shall praise thee. Thus will I bless thee while I live. I will lift up my hands in thy name. My soul shall be satisfied as with marrow and fatness. 
and my mouth shall praise thee with joyful lips. When I remember thee upon my bed, and meditate on thee in the night watches. Because thou hast been my help, therefore in the shadow of thy wings will I rejoice. My soul followeth hard after thee, thy right hand upholdeth me. But those that seek my soul to destroy it shall go into the lower parts of the earth. They shall fall by the sword, and they shall be a portion for foxes. But the king shall rejoice in God. Every one that sweareth by him shall glory. But the mouth of them that speak lies shall be stopped. Now in this psalm, in contrast to Psalm 142, in Psalm 142 he seemed to be uh, focusing on his distresses and, and the troubles and, and how it brought his soul low. But in this psalm, while he's also in distresses, he talks more about his praising the Lord for his goodness and for his, his uh, watchfulness and in Verse 5, he says, My soul shall be satisfied as with marrow and fatness. And that seems to say, you think of marrow and fatness as that which you would find where there's abundance, there's, there's plenty. You have, you're satisfied with many good things. We think about the land in which we live, where there's an abundance of water and everything is lush and green and it's good. That would be filled with marrow and fatness, where you have plenty. But here in this dry and thirsty land, he seems to be saying that he wants to seek after God, and when he finds God and sees his power and glory then his soul will be satisfied as with marrow and fatness. So what is an application or multiple applications we could make to our life today? The key thing that we could take from this is just that importance of seeking after God as our sustainer, our helper in time of trouble, the one who will satisfy our soul as with marrow and fatness. And just like a body craves after water when you're starting to be dehydrated, so our soul should seek after God at all times, and particularly in times of trouble. One of the realities of being in a dry and thirsty land like that is that the body actually requires a larger volume of water. As you exert yourself where there's heat and it's dry and the air is dry, that moisture leaves your body at a higher rate, and your intake must increase to compensate. So when you're in stress or distresses, 
your need for God increases. And our awareness of that need should increase. If we don't uh, recognize that, we may end up in trouble. But I say that, too, that it's a warning for us that in our abundance and our plenty, we tend to forget the importance of seeking after God. You know, we come to church every Sunday. There's plenty of food to be had spiritually. Are we seeking for that for ourselves personally? Do we come to church as someone who is hungry and thirsty? Maybe we have perplexing difficulties in our life. Are we seeking to find the answers in God. And as David said here, Thus will I bless thee while I live, I will lift up my hands in thy name. And as best we can tell, this would have been at a time when he was fleeing for his life, when he had to seek refuge in a cave. He was far away from the sanctuary far away from a place where it was comfortable and easy to hear about God and, and as you would think in a relaxed place where you can really seek after God. He's out here fleeing for his life. And he says, Thus will I bless thee while I live. I will lift up my hands in thy name. He saw God as the answer to his need. Verse 7, because thou hast been my help, therefore in the shadow of thy wings will I rejoice. My soul followeth hard after thee. Thy right hand upholdeth me. My soul followeth hard after thee. That may seem like a bit obscure English there. But the soul is our feelings, our desires, our longings. And to follow hard after, that means with some intensity and some earnest pursuit, a strong uh, going after. Do we take our feelings? intensely toward God when we are faced with difficulties. If we do that, we'll find that God will fill our soul as with marrow and fatness. there in verse 8 he concludes by saying thy right hand upholdeth me that should be our testimony as well that God upholds us in our times of distress but it is vitally important that we seek after him that we press into God with all of our heart
Well, may the Lord bless us with that this morning and, and give us that intense desire to seek after him. Lord bless.